Welcome to the Peaceful Power Podcast. I'm your host, Andrea Clausen, and today I have Amanda Kuda on with us. She is someone who has just written a book, and I'm very excited to dive into all about sobriety and alcohol-free lifestyle. So this is a topic that I've been wanting to have on the podcast for a while. So I'm very excited to have you, Amanda, as our first guest, talking about maybe a little bit about your own journey and then how others might be able to dabble in a little bit more of a alcohol-free lifestyle. So welcome to the show today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. So I want to kind of start with your own personal journey, um, maybe about sobriety in particular and um, how you kind of wrote this book. Yeah, I, I would love to share. And first of all, before I even get into my story, I think the most important thing to mention, um, is that keep listening because this is for anyone who identifies as a normal average run of the mill drinker. Um, that's really who I, you know, I, I think that my message can apply to anyone, even those people who are a little further on the spectrum experiencing addiction, but that wasn't my story. And I, um, the whole reason I wrote a book was to appeal to people who had a normalized relationship with alcohol, which was exactly what mine was. You know, I was, um, a drinker in my teens and twenties, like many of us are. And, very social, uh, for very social reasons. You know, I was someone who didn't super fit in when I was in high school. And so I found that alcohol was a way to help kind of bring me out of my shell and help me to feel less awkward and help me to feel a little more, um, just like I had the permission to go out and socialize and be, um, be outgoing. And I carried that into my, my twenties and into my college life. And I kind of had the typical, you know, we'll call it the party girl lifestyle throughout my college years where I was going out on the weekends and uh, working really hard. I got good grades in school. And then I went on to get a corporate job and I had kind of the work hard, play hard mentality throughout the week where I was doing really great at my corporate job and then blowing off steam on the weekends with the, the crowd who went out and went to happy hour and went to all of the bars and this, there's nothing extraordinary about any of this part of my story, except for the part that I started to feel dissatisfied. I started to feel like I was checking all of the boxes in my life. I had the job, I had the car, I had the house, I had the, whatever the relationships, all of the things, you know, that we were told we wanted to, that we needed to achieve in this world. And I didn't feel sad, but I didn't feel fulfilled. So it wasn't that I was going through this big, like depression or rock bottom, but I was definitely going through what I can only describe as an existential crisis where I was wondering, is this all there is to life? This like constant stream of going into work, ticking the boxes, rubbing elbows, going to happy hours, and then doing it all over again the next week. Like I felt just genuinely in my heart, like there was something more and I keep kept getting this nudge that the way to find it was to stop partying and drinking. And let me tell you what, Andrea, I did not want that to be the answer. I'm like, well, surely that voice, that internal voice, it just means cut back, right? That's what you mean, huh? And I tried that for quite some time and it did not seem to get me the results that I wanted, not to mention that it was actually really, really difficult to cut back and moderate in a world where I had learned just to kind of not do that. And that wasn't really something that we're taught in our society. And finally I just got fed up and I thought, I'm just going to take a break from alcohol and see what happens. And, um, long story short is my life completely transformed for the better. And we can dive into more of that, but that's how I got to where I am today. Okay. I was like, I can relate to so many of the little threads that you kind of pulled on and 
Um, I mean, just that like little nudge. And I think probably a lot of the listeners, I mean, I think we all kind of maybe have that little nudge at times, Mm -hmm. but as you said, like the actual follow through of like, okay, am I actually going to stop? Yeah. Because I've known many people and myself included for many years was like, okay, let me cut back. And how can I, you know, listen without fully listening. Mm -hmm. And then I personally also, I haven't, you know, I've stopped drinking a couple of years ago now myself and it's been, you know, transformational. And so I would love to kind of know if people are kind of teetering on this edge of like, oh, I want to, but then they have that social pressure of like, Mm -hmm. okay, but all my colleagues are going out for beers after work, or maybe it's family events, or I was just at um, a couple weddings and I asked, I'm like, oh, do you guys have any mocktails? No mocktails at either. So I was like, that's fine. I'll just drink water. But things like that, that when you're first starting to stop, like that could be kind of the barrier where you're like, ooh, what do I do? when I am in those social situations. So any tips for people who might be kind of in that, like teetering back and forth, you know, lifestyle. Yeah, that, that makes it really difficult. And I will say that there has never been a better time to be sober or alcohol free because it's becoming so much more socially acceptable. These conversations just within the last three years have started to really come into the mainstream. You can find, you know, influencers and celebrities and all of these people talking about it just more, um, you know, the, the path was always Alcoholics Anonymous, which keeps this a very quiet and anonymous and topic. taboo, right. And very taboo and sh- it's secretive and shameful. And now it's this thing that you have a lot of celebrities who are speaking out about the fact that they just simply don't drink. They choose not to, because they want to feel healthier and it's better for their career. And you also have, unfortunately, the, the wedding venue had not heard about it, but all of these mocktail brands and non-alcoholic wine and champagne and beer and ways for you to be able to participate and have something cool and fun in your glass, but not, not be, you know, fueling your body with ethanol. And so there's never been a better time to be alcohol free. And yet, because it's so socially acceptable, the number one fear I confront is, well, what do I do when my friends are drinking or I go to the wedding or whatever. And the, I have a couple of different theories and a couple of different suggestions here, depending upon the type of person you are. You know, if you are a super introverted person or you are very, very high on the people pleaser spectrum and have a hard time saying no, and your own internal resolve is something that you often bargain with and often, um, let other people kind of manipulate, um, either intentionally or not. Then the first thing that I would suggest is if you're trying to keep a commitment to yourself, you do anything to do that. And sometimes that means taking a step back from some of the social circles and some of the social events that you've been going to. And I think for the type of people who need that, that that's a very powerful thing just to say, that's not for me right now. That doesn't mean it will never be for you, but right now, if that's going to tempt you to break the commitment that you've made to yourself, then just don't go, don't go. I guarantee, even if it's a wedding, you, you are not going, you are not a make or break unless you're like the best man or the uh, maid of honor, then maybe you should probably go. But like, there are so many things that you could just say no to just because you need to for your health and for yourself right now. And there's the other end of that, which is you are stronger and more capable than you give yourself credit for. And there is so much power and confidence building in going and just saying no and keeping that commitment. And also it's okay to go somewhere and then realize that it's too overwhelming or it's not your scene right now and to leave, but you don't know until you try. So I kind of like to get a sense of what type of person you are before I make one of those suggestions, but you know, when you're listening, either just don't go for a bit, not forever. We're not trying to make you into a social recluse, but just as you kind of get your footing 
Or also you can go and test the waters and actually it can be a really powerful, like self-affirming, um, powerful thing to do, to go to a place and not drink. Mm, I love that. That's probably when I was at both weddings, they're all like, you're, you're dancing sober. I love to dance and I'm out there and I'm dancing and everyone, you know, people who had had drinks were like, wait, you're sober. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And then other people, I'd be like, oh, come out on the dance floor. They're like, I haven't drank enough yet. I'm like, Man, I haven't drank at all. I know. And they're all like, what? Kind of like, yeah. yeah. I mean, nobody's who is out there. Like, are you sitting here watching and judging people on the dance floor? No, No. you know, like they're not, they're drinking and not paying attention to other people. And the other people, if they are sober, I like my aunt was watching and she was like, I just love it. You're out there dancing with the kids, having a great time, you know, like little things like that where people don't care. Like people, you know, they don't care. They don't don't notice. And it also gives you even more permission to be like weird and have the time of your life. I went to, um, I love, you know, if you're a dancer, you probably like a lot of the same music as me. Like I love two thousands hip hop. And so I went to this huge hip hop festival over the summer and you know, hip hop culture, it's drinking and smoking pot. And I guarantee I was one of, you know, there were a lot of people who were very not sober there. And it just gave me even more permission. Like Andrea, I was feral at this, at this concert. <laughs> I was completely, I was just having the time of my life because there's all of these artists who I've admired and who I danced to, uh, like in the club or wherever for decades. And they're all here in one place. Like I had the time of my life and people probably thought that I was drunk because I was having so much fun. No one cared. No one noticed. It was actually even more of a permission slip for me to just be my wild, weird self. Yes. Yes. What about the, I will find when I first started, you know, telling people, okay, I'm not drinking. And I didn't say like, I'm not drinking forever. I just was Uh kind of stopping. And I would say, this is also a question that people always ask why are you not drinking? Mm-hmm. And I think that can be one that like can trip people up. Cause in the yeah. beginning I was just kind of like, I would just kind of give in eventually when I was trying to stop. Cause I think yes. a lot of us, there is no, like, or at least for me, it wasn't one day. It just magically worked. Like it's, it mm-hmm. was a buildup. Like yes. I slowly had to work at it for a few months before I finally like stood firm in the, no, actually I'm not going to. Mm-hmm. And like, maybe even like getting really honest and like sharing my honest answer with people when they asked, I'm like, well, I feel like I'm slowly killing my mind, body, and soul. Yeah. Usually that was the end of the conversation. Uh, They're like, okay, bye. (laughs) So like that, I feel like is kind of a question that people get all the time and it can be annoying. What are some tips around that question that you can give to people? Yes. Well, the first thing is that people are going to react to your energy, right? And so if you come off with Eeyore energy. And you're like, well, I'm not drinking right now. I'm such a drag. Um, you know, I don't know, you know, I just can't drink right now. And you have this kind of negative mindset about it. People are going to latch onto that and use it to their advantage because people like when you do what they do, because then it affirms their behavior as good, right. And okay. Right. And so that's where the peer pressure comes in. It's not necessarily people being jackasses are trying to ruin your life. It's just that they are going to feel more comfortable if you do what they do. So if they can get you to hop on the wagon or off the wagon, I don't know how that phrase works, <laughs> hop off the wagon with them. That makes them feel better because it affirms their behavior. And if you're like me and you're a people pleaser, it is so easy to self-abandon in those moments just to make the other person feel more comfortable, even though, you know, it's going to like hurt you in the long run. If you know that you can please them, that's another, you know, reason to abandon yourself. And so the biggest tip that I can give is to whatever you say to deliver it with confidence, right? And if you can do that and you deliver it with pure affirmation, people are so much less likely to argue with you. So 
I think it's best to keep it short and simple and tell your truest truth. Do not lie or do not say anything that is not, that is negotiable. So, you know, some people try to go with, oh, I am not drinking tonight because I'm driving or I have to get up early in the morning. People can negotiate with that, right? If you say what exactly what you said, I'm not drinking because I feel like it was slowly like that was your truest truth. It's killing my mind, body and soul. People, you know, they might, it might kill the conversation a little bit, but guess what? You're going to walk away still holding strong. You know, I think that even just a simpler version of that is like, I didn't like the way that I felt and I want to see how I feel without it. And people can't negotiate your feelings. People cannot argue how you feel. Some people might try. I would argue that those people are probably not your best friends or your closest um, people you want to keep in your circle. But you, if you tell your truest truth, and you say it with confidence, people are often going to react to that and be like, oh, okay. And I've never had someone object to my decision not to drink, but it's purely because I went in with it with confidence, even before I had it, even when I was faking it till I made it. Mm. I always find like, I have one person in particular and, um, like it's, well, it's my father-in-law. He asks every uh-huh. time. And I'm always like, Hmm, I feel like this is his way of, and I give the basically the same answer every time or a mm-hmm. version of it. Yep. And I'm like, I feel like it's, he's kind of looking for his own way to stop. And I feel, mm. you know, like that's where I'm getting from sometimes if it is the same person, sometimes it is the same person. I feel like yeah. they're kind of on that curiosity train themselves yeah. and they're just kind of like, okay, how are, how are you doing this? And yeah. like, I just found where like, cause my husband, my husband isn't drink ever. Like he doesn't, that's not his thing, but yeah. like if he goes to his family, cause his family tends to, they drink. Yeah. And so he'll have a beer there. But I found, okay, well, I know that's what, that's what they have there. And, you know, there, especially if this is family for anyone listening, what I found helpful for me, was like, okay, I'm going to bring like, um, a non-alcoholic drink with me or, Mm -hmm. you know, a fun drink that way. I know they're not going to have it there and they're not going to offer it there. So what can I bring myself to make sure that I'm covered? And like, I have another sister-in-law who doesn't drink either. And so like, she'll maybe if I bring a non-alcoholic wine, we'll both have that, you know, yes. little things like that, that are helpful. I think if people are kind of in that, like, okay, I have to go to some of these events. How can mm-hmm. I navigate that situation? Is there yeah. anything else helpful for you in those situations where you're like, okay, I do have to go. How can I make this more useful for myself? Oh, that's such a good question. And I am, I'm glad you brought it up because there's a lot of places where you can actually be your own advocate that might feel a little edgy. So for example, you bringing your own beverage, like that might feel like you are stepping on a hostess's toes, but if they don't know what to have for you, then Mm -hmm. yes, bring your own thing that you want to have. I even went, um, so far. And, and another great thing about that is you have a direct example of how you are giving someone else a permission slip to join in with you. Like your sister-in-law is probably delighted to have a non-alcoholic wine and have someone have you know, have something in her glass other than water, which we love hydration, but sometimes you want to have something a little, a little special, especially if there's like, you know, a toast or something going on. So, um, one thing that I do that is a little out of the norm is I will even call a venue and ask if they're going to have something, or if, if it's an event that has an event planner, I'll ask the planner just to like, um, if I've been invited to something, are they going to have non-alcoholic beverages? But for instance, I was in a wedding a couple of summers ago and I didn't want to bother the bride with this. So I just called the venue and I said, Hey, I'm a non-drinker. Do you have non-alcoholic beverages on the, on the plan? No. Do you mind if I bring some and put them behind the bar? And they're like, absolutely. And so, you know, some people might say no, but they said, absolutely. And so I brought non-alcoholic wine and beer to this wedding and the bartender knew it was just for me. 
And you know what? About midway through the wedding, I noticed that one of the groomsmen had one of my non-alcoholic beers. And at first I was mad. I was like, how did he get that? So I like march over to him and I'm like, Hey, what are you drinking there? And he's like, you know what? This is so cool. I'm trying not to drink right now. And they had a few of these non-alcoholic beers behind the bar. And then that, like, I was just like, Oh, that's so awesome. And so we talked about that and I didn't know anyone there because I was from out of town. So that then became my ally, like my, my person who I was talking to throughout the night. And that felt really cool too, that I actually provided something that made something that made the night more comfortable for him. And I think that you'll find these little situations where, you know, we're on the cutting edge of this conversation right now. And you're going to find so many places where people, you're going to be a breath of fresh air as the non-drinker. You're going to be giving a permission slip to someone else to be like, oh, me too. I'm so tired of this, but I was afraid to say anything or afraid Mm -hmm. to like step outside of the circle. And that's so powerful and refreshing to like give that permission slip to other people. Yes. What about for you in your own personal life? What are some of the big wins that you've had since stopping drinking? Oh my gosh. So I think that alcohol is something that lowers how, how spiritual and like woo are some of the women who listen to your show. Yeah. We're, we're okay. all the way there. Okay. <laughs> That's what I thought. I just want to make sure guard my language with which way I talk about this. So alcohol lowers your energetic vibration, right? It's a depressant and it brings you down. And so everything you do in your life is an energetic exchange. It's an energetic investment. And when you choose lower energetic activities, lower energetic experiences, you're only going to attract more of that into your life. So that doesn't mean that alcohol is bad, wrong, and evil. And you're like damned all to hell just because you drink. That's not what I'm saying at all. But what I am saying is that you are going to have a little bit of a lower quality experience just because that's what you're saying yes to. So when you remove alcohol, when I removed alcohol personally, I also coupled that with a lot of personal development work Mm -hmm. that was already going on. And so I went from being like medium to low to medium vibe to higher, higher, higher vibe. And that just made me an energetic match for the things that I wanted and desired and deserved. So I'm talking Andrea, like new friendships popping into my life magically that were much more aligned and Mm -hmm you know, connected than the friendships that I'd had before existing friendships, magically shifting to where we were doing things other than drinking so that I didn't have to like have this dramatic breakup that we probably all fear in this conversation, um, professional opportunities coming online with barely any action from me where before I was like, you know, busting my ass to get some of the professional opportunities I had, like even down to being able to manifest my book deal with the exact agent that I wanted with a great major publisher. These things happened quickly and very easily. And I wanted them. I wanted to be an author since I was in second grade. So I just think that when you get out of your own way, things can, your desires can connect with you so much more quickly. And I think that's a really powerful thing. So truly every single aspect of my life has changed, but my ability to live the life that I've always dreamed of became very possible very quickly. And I know that sounds maybe like very fantastical, but it's true. So that's all I can tell you is that things changed for the positive in every direction. I love that. Yeah. Have you had a similar experience? I mean, I would say the, uh, so when I started it slowly, I guess the urge to start or to stop Mm -hmm. drinking, 
um, this is kind of how it came about was I kept the universe kind of kept putting the people in my life. Like I had someone uh-huh. come to my moon circle that mm-hmm. was a non-drinker for the last yeah. five years. And I was yep. like, Oh, I keep thinking that this is me. So there was mm-hmm. these, like these little nudges. And then when I stopped, I'm like, wow, my meditation practice is so much deeper. Like mm-hmm. my, I teach yoga as well. And like yeah. my, my teaching is so much deeper. Mm-hmm. My, I feel like my podcast, like my solo ones, like I'm tapping into a new level that wasn't necessarily there. Cause again, I really truly did feel like I was dying like yeah. on all levels. And I can definitely mm-hmm. tell that, that energy, you just don't shine quite as bright. And yeah, I, it, you know, I wrote, sparkle. I was like, did I write both books when I was sober as well? I wrote one. I think I might've written both of my books mm-hmm. after I'd quit drinking as well. Mm-hmm. And so like little things like that, where I could do those things that, you know, if I was drinking, I didn't have the energy per se to do those mm-hmm. things the next day. And, um, I think you can tell that little, that little sparkle isn't quite there. Yeah. Um, and that was going to be one thing that I was going to ask too. Like, why do you think now? Cause I think this conversation is becoming nor- more normalized. Mm-hmm. Why do you think now is the time people are starting to look at their relationship with alcohol? Yeah. I mean, I think that from a spiritual perspective, we are on the cusp of this like big awakening where people are finally starting to wake up to their power and their magnificence. And it's becoming just acceptable and necessary to live at this higher level where, you know, you have all of these, these capabilities and you're a very intuitive and creative person. And you were leaving that on the table because you were always kind of operating under a haze. That's what it felt like for me. And when you lift that veil off and you actually get to shine and be your most creative, ambitious, connected, intuitive self, that feels good. And I think we're freaking craving for that right now. And we are looking for approaches to do that. And in my opinion, there's no faster way to do that than to be alcohol free. But we also have like a unique, perfect storm happening where for better or worse, you know, all my business took off in a very different way during lockdown because people had to reckon with their drinking. They were either realizing that a, wow, this has been something I've been considering for a while. And this is the perfect time to dabble in it because I don't have all these social obligations or B they use that really as an emotional crutch during that time. And then it got to the point where they're like, whoa, 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 something doesn't feel right here. This is not the path I want to go down. And at the same time, we had this like direct line of sight into um, apps like Instagram and TikTok, where people really started to be more vocal about their decision to quit drinking and their decision to abstain. And the conversation went beyond recovery and 12 steps and addiction and into this place of, you can do this as a choice as well, by the way. And I think that it was just, and, you know, also with several different, um, we call it quit lit, which is like the genre that I'm in quit literature. Um, um, these books coming onto the scene that were making it even more prevalent that this conversation could occur and also wasn't something that needed to be secretive or shameful. And I think all of those things combined have just made this really like ripe environment to have this conversation about re like re reinvestigating your relationship with alcohol. Mm. Mm-hmm. What about the mommy wine culture? And I will say, mm-hmm. I, when my oldest now, when he was little, my friend and I, you know, I would go over and we would have wine on Friday and, you know, watch the kids. But that was really at the time, my only time I was really doing that. But then now in reflecting, I'm like, I feel like that was kind of pushed onto us. That's what you did. Like as moms, you had your wine, you hung out, watched the kids and you drank wine all afternoon. 
Mm-hmm. And, you know, sometimes we would stay the night at my friend's house or my husband would pick us up, you know, yeah. just like, that's like where I feel like the mommy wine culture is. And it is still on social media. If you see it, you know, there are still definitely memes about that, but how, if you're in that, can you maybe step out of that? Or what have you seen kind of working in that um, realm? Mm-hmm. I think that that is one of the most pervasive spaces in which we're force fed the message about alcohol, right? Like moms, you need it to survive. You you need it. You deserve it. And all of these things. And first of all, what a more, what a, what a terribly destructive message to send to your kids that they're, you know, so challenging, which guess what? Kids are challenging as heck. I mean, I don't, I do not have any, I only have nieces and nephews and still I'm like, whoa, man, I, I get overwhelmed and I get to leave at the end of the day. And y'all, y'all are in this 24 seven. So like moms, you are the real MVPs. And I have the majority of my clients and students are mothers. And it is a place where we're told we deserve the space to escape. You, you need this to shut down. Um, you need this to squelch this, you know, the anxiety or the, whatever you have. And there are so many people like forcing these like cutesy messages too Mm. about, about, how much you need the wine. And guess what? I had the memes and all the t-shirts and all of those things too, back in the day, but it's just also like really low brow to, to, to take on this story that you have to escape your reality that you probably fought really hard to be a part of. And I think that if you have fallen into that culture, that number one, it's okay. And number two, it's really important to ask, how do you like, do you want to be present for this adventure that is motherhood and that is your life and, and is alcohol allowing you to do that? And I think that most people who have gotten into that, um, that habit or behavior of the nightly wine or the cocktail or the mommy, you know, juice in a Stanley cup or whatever, that would be a big glass, but you know, wherever you're hiding it, like these things, these are messages that we've taken on as okay. And they're cute and they're fun. And is that really, is that really the life that you want to live? I think that's the big question to ask. And, um, and for most people who have listened this far, the answer is probably no, but that you're afraid to step out of it because that's what you do with your friends and that you, how do you wind down at the end of the night? And I think that there, there are other answers. They're not maybe quite as quick of a fix, um, and quite as mainstream, but they are so much more productive and are going to give you more energy, more stamina, more mental bandwidth to like do the journey that is motherhood than what you have right now. Because I know that you can probably attest like waking up with a hangover and then having to parent that is no joke, no joke, my friends. So what if you woke up clear headed every day? Yeah. You'd have to like get through some of these like anxious, high energy moments, but Oh, by the way, there are tools to help you do that. You just have bypassed them and cheated your way through it. So if you learn to use those tools, all of that will actually get a lot easier. Your patience will increase. Your anxiety will decrease. Like all of these things that you've been using wine to manage, it's actually not managing it at all. It's just cheating your way through it. And that's not helping you in the long run. A thousand percent. Yeah. What about someone who's listening and they're like, man, I'm just really struggling to get like 10 days in a row of sobriety. Like maybe Mm -hmm. they make it a week and then they make it halfway through that second week. And then they just cave in what, whatever reason that might be. And I'm saying, Ooh. cause I'm like, I've been there. Yeah. I get that. You know, you're yep. like chugging, chugging, chugging. And you're like, I can't quite make it those two weeks in a row or two weekends in a row without drinking yep. a glass of yeah. wine to unwind. Because yeah. again, as you had said, we, we have these stories of like, 
this is how I unwind or this, I deserve mm-hmm. this. It's how yeah. I'm celebrating myself for the hard work I put in this week or whatever that might be. Yeah. And how do you kind of break free from that? If someone's in that pattern of like, I'm so close, but I just can't quite get over that hump. Yeah. Well, first I want to ask, I want, I want to just bring life to the story that you just told, which is what do you think that it was when you got to those, like, you know, it kind of sounded like the weekend for you. What, what was the thing that like broke you normally? Oh gosh. Um, might be hard to remember. That's a while back. I mean, so, well, having a pregnancy also has greatly obviously helped me with yes, my journey. Yes. That, that really <laughs> broke me free, but yeah. leading, leading up to the pregnancy, cause I had stopped, you know, for preconception and Ayurveda, mm-hmm. we have the whole six month thing. And, um, typically I, what really kind of helped me, I guess, get over the hump was I needed to have like the non-alcoholic fun mm-hmm. drink. Mm-hmm. And so I would buy, and this was before you know, they kind of have even more fun things now. Right. Two years ago was. Yeah. I mean, because I think probably because of, you know, 2020 after that, people Mm -hmm. are now wanting that. Like we have a store here in Minneapolis, St. Paul, if anyone's local, there are two non-alcoholic like wine shops or. Oh my gosh. That's amazing. Go St. Paul. I know. And so I'm like, if you want, there's some local, but with that, that helped me. Like I needed yeah. to, an elixir was one that mm-hmm. I went online and mm-hmm. I, I would pour myself one in a wine glass and I would have one of those. And that was kind of what helped me get over the hump. Otherwise, mm-hmm. I don't know if I was, I mean, I was really struggling to, at that point, I couldn't quite crack it until yeah. I was like, I just need that something. And yes. then now I don't, I don't need that anymore. Like yep. I haven't even visited them. I have not mm-hmm. had even again at the weddings because I'm a small town girl and the weddings mm-hmm. were in a small town. And so if people are listening like mocktails, it might be a little bit before they get down there. Cause when yeah. I asked, nobody had mocktails and I was yep. like, that's, that's fine. I'm enough on my journey that I can have water, but that is something to take into account depending where you live. Access to some of this might also be like, okay, I might have to go online, you know, and In order. Look, up, mm-hmm. look up some other options for myself. Totally. And that's why I ended up bringing something to that wedding I was at because I I'm from Missouri and this wedding was in Missouri. So it still hasn't like fully caught on. So I'm like, whatever, I'll, I'll do the dirty work. I'll bring my own stuff. But what you're describing there, I think that's why I wanted to tap in a little bit more because there's a couple of different reasons why, um, people's resolve like gives up and sometimes it's peer pressure. And so if that's the case, I would say, avoid the peers who are pressuring you for a bit. Um, and if it's ritual, which that sounds like what yours was, then find something to replace that ritual. And if it's emotions, um, because sometimes it's like, I can't take this anymore. Like that's the vibe. Then I would, I would give you some exercises to do, but one really quick, very specific and easy one is just remove yourself from the situation for 20 minutes. And as tried as it sounds, just journal, just journal what it is that you're thinking, what it is that you're wanting, what it is that you're hoping for, and ask yourself, could I give this to myself in another way? And right now you might not have the resources for that, which is why it's really, you know, lucrative to read a book about this or listen to a podcast or even get inside of a coaching program that can get some support around it because you don't know what you don't know. And some of the solutions are so simple, but you can't see them if you've been operating with blinders on. So something like this journaling exercise that maybe feels too easy. And like, mm. there's probably a bratty part of you that I know for me, I was like, I don't want to do the stupid exercise, but <laughs> it helps. And if you just like get past that kind of like inner, um, that inner desire to be, um, I'll just use the word again, bratty. Like that's how I always describe myself when I'm struggling. Like even right now, when I have a hard day, some days my best friend will be like, well, Amanda, have you been outside? And I'm like, Mm. I haven't been outside. (laughs) And 
there's this like little kid in us that sometimes just needs to be nurtured in a very, in a very easy way. And we forget some of those things that we probably still need as an adult. So is there some other way you could nurture yourself or, um, perform the ritual, which is what you are missing without alcohol as the center of it. And mm-hmm. guess what? There is, there is, there a hundred percent is. I love that you broke that down in those yeah. descriptive ways. Cause I think everyone listening might be like, Oh, that's the camp I fall in. And sometimes mm-hmm. for me, it probably was emotional. I mean, mostly it got to be the ritual part, but when it started uh-huh. emotional, definitely. Cause it, yes. you know, I was like, always shedding, or I don't, I don't want to deal with this or my schedule is overwhelmed. It's Mm -hmm. overwhelming me and I just need to break. And that's the only way I can turn my brain off. You know, those little things that I think a lot of us have for you on your journey, did you have, cause I think I want to talk to the person who might be listening. They're like, I've read a few books, I've listened Mm -hmm. to some podcasts Mm -hmm. and I'm still just struggling with this. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. did you have those kind of up and down relationships before it kind of stuck in your life as well? I did. And you know what? I kind of forgot about it until recently when my coach um, reminded me that I was a beginner once too. And mm-hmm. I, I, I absolutely had those moments where I was like kind of seeking out or dabbling in the the small amount of resources that were available and then pulling back and then dabbling again and then pulling back. And I think that everyone comes to it's baby steps. It's baby steps of how can you educate yourself, but not take too long? Let yourself stay in that intellectual intellectual part of the process where you're trying to think your way out of it, because at some point you have to act your way out of it. So I think that one of the best things that I did after, you know, really, really doing the research that was available to me in the investigation, like listening to the podcast, following the influencers was just deciding like, I'm not going to do this and I'm not going to do it for a set amount of time because If you give yourself, you know, in the AA community, it's one day at a time. And I think for a lot of people who are very capable and goal oriented, one day at a time is a throwaway goal. Mm -hmm. And so I think that works perfect in the addiction spectrum. But if you're someone who is could quit, but you're just kind of getting in your own way, you need to give yourself something a little more tangible. So I would have you start with, um, I would have you take action and take bold action, not forever. Not like I'm not going to drink for six months, but what if you start with, you know, 30 days, my goal is always to get someone to 90 days, because I think that's when some real magic can happen, but just chunk it down 30 days, 60 days, 90 days, and see what happens from there. Um, but don't set too big of a goal or too small of a goal. That's where people get into trouble. Mm, I, yeah, I completely agree with the too big. I, many of my friends that I know that have quit same thing. Like, and mm-hmm. I don't even say this. I'm like, I, that I've quit for life. It's just yeah. like, I don't drink and yeah, do maybe someday, like five years from now, if I want to have a drink, sh- sure. But uh-huh. like, I, I think that helps too, because I found when I kept saying to myself, never drinking again, then I would kind of get like in a rebellious state with myself and be like, yes, two weeks later, or three weeks later, a month later, I'm going to drink because I'm rebelling against that. Mm-hmm. Like I'm never drinking again. So instead I, right now it's open-ended and you know, at the weddings, I'm like, if I want to, I, I will have a drink Mm -hmm. never was tempted. And so, because I gave myself the, Hey, if you want it, go ahead. And so I think that sometimes helps again for different personalities, just to kind of throw out ideas of like, okay, maybe that, maybe that is me, or maybe I do need to have the strict, like, here's Mm -hmm. my 30 days, or maybe I do have to take it one day at a time. Mm -hmm. And what do you say that we have listeners who might be on the cusp of like, is this addiction? Do I need more help? Mm-hmm. Or, you know, sh- can I stop myself? What, what do you say if people are kind of pondering which direction to go? Yeah, 
I think that there is no shame and no harm in investigating the different, the different routes. And, you know, I actually have a really great tip that I got from my friend, Nina pick. She wrote a book on somatics and recovery, and it actually blew my mind because when I, you know, I have um, my dad and stepmom um, were in recovery. And so I have a very clear picture in my mind of what 12 steps in recovery and addiction looks like. Mm -hmm. And it never felt congruent for me to say, I'm going to go to AA and I'm going to be, you know, in the rooms and admit that I'm an alcoholic that didn't feel great or safe. Um, and it also didn't feel, it felt kind of like impostery because I knew that I could quit on my own. Um, but what Nina suggested to me was that she also had, she, she actually, she was like, I'm, I was pretty sure I was addicted. I definitely was on the spectrum, but still AA didn't feel good to me. I was a young woman. It felt very vulnerable. It was a lot of men in the spaces and a lot of people who were really in it. And I didn't quite feel, I felt like I was on the cusp. So she told me she actually went to Overeaters Anonymous and I was like, whoa, that's really profound. Tell me more about that. And so she did that because it's still the same tenants, but it tended to be much more female focused and you're still getting the same support network and you're, but it's not quite the same environment as an alcoholics meeting. And I thought that was really profound that I would never have thought like, oh, just go to a different type of meeting or at the first meeting that you go to, if you want to dabble in the 12 steps world, if that one doesn't resonate, there's all different types. I had just put in my mind because of my past experiences, this is what it looks like. Mm -hmm. But she opened up my mind to the possibility that there were other, um, other types of meetings that you could actually go to and get the same reception in a different environment. Or of course, there's tons of coaches and um, coaching programs that are completely outside of the AA community. You know, I have a couple as well that I offer that could be a great fit for you. And there's no shame in getting support around this desire or this change. It's no different than could you go get ripped or lose weight without a trainer? Yeah. But if you're someone who thrives under external accountability and maybe needs someone to oh, also show you how to like execute the moves properly, a trainer is a great place to start. So this is no different. I think with any goal that you have, having a coach is actually great for accountability and also to help you overcome some of the uncertainty stumbling block pieces. So I think that I would recommend number one, if you feel you're on the cusp, look at, you know, be, it's okay to look at AA and traditional 12 step approaches. And there's lots of paths there that you might not be aware of. And there's also lots of paths in the non-traditional approach too. Mm, I love that. Yeah. Where can people connect with you and your groups if they're interested? Yeah. So I am everywhere on the internet at Amanda Kuda. And that last name is K-U-D-A. Um, I have my website and I have my book, which was out uh, as of now last week that is available if this res message resonates with you. Yes. So your book, I want to kind of tap into that before we wrap up unbottled potential break up with alcohol and break through to your best life. Yes. What kind of, um, you know, who's your book for and what lessons might people kind of gain from it? Mm -hmm. It is at its heart. It's a self-help book and a spirituality book rooted in sobriety as the base and the foundation for you to grow into your truest potential, whatever that means for you. And that's not, that's not just in terms of what you can achieve professionally. I think we get caught up in potential being something that's professional. It's also your emotional potential, your relationship potential, your spiritual potential, um, just goals and hobbies and actual other dreams you might have in your life. And it's a, a manifesto for how alcohol 
holds you back from that if you're drinking at any regularity and how freeing and actually um, possibility filled it could be if you decided to remove that relationship from your life. And I really just hope it reaches anyone who is maybe questioning that relationship with alcohol, but also kind of like you were having this deep sense that there's something more. I'm not quite feeling as fulfilled and as healthy and as happy and as connected as I would like to. And I wonder if alcohol is the thing getting in the way. And if that resonates with you, I think that this book will as well. Mm, I love it. And you can get that wherever books are sold, Amazon and all the things. Yes, ma'am. You can. Well, Amanda, I would just have one more question. I Mm -hmm. would love for you to throw out a weekly challenge to all the listeners this week. Mm -hmm. Yes. So, you know, I think that my challenge would be that if you are someone who has felt curious about this lifestyle and you haven't quite yet committed, I want to say that you owe it to yourself to do that. And so the challenge that I would give you is if we're just going for a week, just see, start with seven days and see what it would be like to have alcohol out of the picture, but really be mindful about what happens in those seven days. Where do you feel confronted? Where do you feel under-resourced? Where do you feel resentful and angry about this decision? And where do you also feel powerful? Where do you feel connected? Where do you feel tapped in? And just getting curious about the process, I think that can be a really magical foundation to lay for yourself. Love it. Well, thank you so much, Amanda, for coming on and everyone go out and grab her book. It sounds delightful. And it was such a pleasure to get to chat with you about this topic. So great to talk to you, Andrea. Thank you again. And everyone go out there and spread your peaceful power.